that's a kind of a fun, different way to start the summer, wasn't it, here at Downtown Harbor Church? Hey, is it just me, or were the announcements actually decent today? Like, I mean, that would be a first in about 20 months, so we were excited about that, those announcements this morning. Great job, John. It was that wireless mic. Must have helped. Anyway, we are going to start and kick off this new three-week talk, conversation, series, whatever you want to call it, and that series that we're going to do for the next three weeks is called Bless His Heart. Now, if you're like me, you've used this expression at some point before in your life. And generally, it's been used to describe someone, bless his heart, bless her heart. Maybe they're in the wrong place in their life, but their heart is in the right place. Maybe they're not doing what they were gifted or skilled to do, yet their heart is still on fire for doing this thing. So as we were planning this week and looking at this week, as I always do, I try to ask myself some questions about, hey, what are we going to talk about Sunday? Why are we talking about this? And what does this mean? And so basically, I started to ask myself, hey, what does bless his heart mean? We've all heard heard it and we've all said it and we've all probably been affiliated with it, but what does this actually mean? And what I can come up with the definition, like just from my own knowledge and mind, is that this is it's a phrase used to describe someone who might be in the wrong place, but their heart is in the right place. So let me ask you a question, okay? Somebody in the wrong place, but their heart might be in the right place. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone who didn't just seem to be in the right place, okay? And you've probably encountered many people in your life throughout your week or your month or your family or your career. You've probably encountered a lot of people like this if you really think about it. So I started to think maybe there are some people like, you know, locally or that I've encountered that I'm going, man, bless their heart. They are such a sweet soul, but they are just not. The church in a museum when the exhibits go off, right? Like that is exactly what that was. (laughs) For anybody wondering what that was, that was an exhibit that went off and I have like ADD. So I'm like, all right, hit the reset button. So maybe you've encountered people and you're like, bless their heart. They are so nice and so good, yet at the end of the day, they're just kind of in the wrong place. Maybe you've seen, like maybe you've had an Uber driver, right? And I don't know if you're like me, but I Uber a lot. Uh, We actually sold our second car. That way we could Uber because it's so cheap. And so the same woman picks me up every Sunday, because now I know her. She picks me up every Sunday um, for DHC. We get here. She picks me up about 6.15 in the morning, takes me in because we have to unload the trailer, and we put our phones next to each other and turn the button on, and every single Sunday it works, and she takes me here. Well, my buddy John, now, now granted, just let me give you a little preface here. So this Uber driver is 78 years old, okay, and she takes takes me from my house to the museum, which is about 1.8 miles, okay? It's not really the farthest, you know, that you can go in an Uber, but it's just, it's just really close, okay? So my buddy John last week, the guy who does the announcements, he tells me, he goes, hey, um, my wife and I are going on vacation. We need a ride down to Miami International Monday morning. Do you think I could use your Uber driver? And I was like, yeah, I think she'd be great to take you down to Miami International to go to St. John where they were going last week. And so about 20 minutes into their trip, because I knew what time she was picking him up, I texted him. I said, hey, how's the trip. And he goes, I've almost died four times. <laughs> and then he replied, bless her heart. And I said, what do you mean? She, and John's like, this woman should not be on the road. She should have her license revoked. She should have her Uber thing revoked. Like she should not be driving because she's driving down 95 to Miami. It's a little bit different federal highway in 95. Regardless, that was just, that was just an example. And I guarantee you the next time you're in an Uber and you get a driver like that, you're going to go bless her heart or bless his heart. How about this? I've worked with volunteers my entire life. And this is one of the phrases that we've used to describe someone who is just 
in the wrong place. Their heart is in the right place, but they are in the wrong place. I'll never forget this volunteer when I was leading a kids department in Michigan, and he was so excited to like be a part of leading like fourth and fifth grade boys to be a small group leader. And this man had no no um, ability to work with fourth and fifth grade boys at all. Like the room was nuts. It was chaos. Parents were getting we were getting complaints, and I was like, "We're gonna have to reposition you." Bless your heart, though, because you are trying. You're just in the wrong place. So as we kind of kick off this series and what this looks like, we're going to be talking about a guy, and you saw him in the bumper video, a guy that we're going to talk about for the next three Sundays, and his name is Peter. Peter, let me give you a little bit of history on who he is, because we talk about a lot of names at Downtown Harbor Church from time to time. We talk about a lot of different guys like Paul or Peter or Jesus or Moses, and so let me tell you a little bit about who this man actually was. Peter was one of the very first followers of Jesus, right? He, and we're going to talk about how that happened in just a second. But he was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter, if you are, have any Catholic history, if you grew up in the Catholic world or the Catholic church, Peter you would know as the very first pope. He was very important to the history of Christianity, and he was very important to help spreading the message of Jesus once Jesus ascended back into heaven. Peter was a really important guy. And what we're going to do in this next three weeks, this bless his heart, is we are going to look at some of the blunders of Peter's life. And why I love this is because we're going to look at some of the blunders of his life, yet at the end of the day, God did say to him, he goes, I choose you to help do this. And so Peter was a really important guy. So how did Jesus and Peter meet? What did that look like? Well, God's spirit was with Jesus. We know that. And so as he walked alongside the Sea of Galilee, I'm going to check this out, Matthew chapter 8, uh, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter. We're going to talk about why it's Simon and Peter in just a second. And his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Now, Fishermen back in the day were not fishermen like we know today. Like they were, these were hard working, like rugged people who were throwing nets overboard and bringing in a whole bunch of fish. This was not casting a reel, right? Going out on the intercoastal. This was not, this was not luxury. This was very difficult, okay? And then Jesus, when he saw them, when he saw Peter and his brother Andrew, he said this He said, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to what? Fish for people. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I would have gone, who is this nut, right? Like, what, come and follow you. What are you talking about? But God's spirit was with him. God's presence was there. That's the only way that this could have ever worked. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. Peter and his brother Andrew laid down their nets and said, Jesus, we are going to follow after you and your teachings but here's what I want you to know about Jesus and Peter, because we talk about Jesus a lot around here. It's just something that we do. We believe this. We believe that Jesus saw something special in Peter. He saw something unique in Peter. There was something that none of his other disciples, none of his other followers to that point had. Jesus saw something special in Peter. Don't miss this. So special that he changed his name. So special that Jesus said, you're no longer going to be known as Simon. That was his original name. You're no longer going to be known as this guy, Simon. We're going to change it to Peter, okay? He's going to change, we're going to change your name from Simon to Peter because Peter is important. 
Peter means something in the ancient Greek, right? Peter means rock, okay? And Jesus even said, I'm not putting this on the screen, but I'm just paraphrasing. Jesus said, because Peter means rock, Peter, I want you to know something. One of the most debated verses in the entire scripture. Peter, because your name means rock, on you I will build my church. Meaning on you, I, you will be a vessel to go spread the message of Jesus, my message of love and restoration and redemption to a broken world if you believe in me. You are the rock. That's how important you are. And I don't know about you, but in our culture today, the name rock seems to be doing pretty darn well, right? Let me watch Baywatch. Not me, but I know a couple of buddies in the room did, all right? Here, that's the deal. But here's the, here's the thing. After this happened, then there was a day when something miraculous happened. There was a day when a miracle happened. So a lot of times we will stop and pause and like look sometimes for an entire week at the miracles of Jesus and all of the miracles that he performed, whether it was turning water into wine or raising someone from the dead. But in this particular day, there was a miracle that happened, and it was something so miraculous that it seems impossible, but nothing is impossible as God, with God as we know. And here was the miracle. It was the feeding of the 5,000 people. So there was a crowd gathered around, right? And Jesus was understanding that these people were hungry. And the disciples were there, and they're like, we have no food. How are we going to feed these people? These people are hungry. We don't have any food. And Jesus said, hey, go get me five loaves of bread and two fish. We're going to feed them all. And all of a sudden, I got to tell you something. I don't get it. I don't know how it happened, but in some miraculous way of God, these five loaves of bread and two fish fed 5,000 people. And I have to just imagine that as the food multiplied and people were blessed, that the disciples and even Jesus himself must have just been exhausted after this. They must have just been exhausted and spent after feeding these 5,000 people. But then Jesus gave his disciples some instructions after this miracle happened. And Peter was there on that day. He was one of the followers who was with him on that day. And in Matthew 14, it says this. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat, the boat, and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to do what? To pray. Jesus went up on the side of a mountain to pray and be alone with God by himself. And I love that Jesus himself did that as an example to us. Later that night, okay, it goes on, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So let me tell you what was happening. Okay, let me set the scene. Jesus says to his disciples, hey guys, I know you're beat. I know you're exhausted. We just fed 5,000 people. Don't even ask me how we did it because I don't want to do like, but here's the deal. You guys go get in this boat, and you go across the sea, and all of a sudden, as they did that, a huge storm started to swell. Wind, waves, rain, right? The boat Jesus sent across the sea was in the middle of a massive storm. It was being pummeled from every direction, kind of like South Florida from Monday through Friday of last week, right? You knew that. It was, boy, was it not brutal down here, right? Anybody deal with flooding? Sorry if you did, okay? But here's the deal. This storm was just pummeling this boat, right? And Jesus could see it happening. So he decided to do something. Jesus decided at that point that he would go out to them, that he saw his disciples struggling and he would go out to them in the form of another miracle. And it's something that I don't even understand, but I do believe that with God, all things are possible. And I do believe that when his spirit is with us, that we can do amazing things in our life. Because Jesus went out to them in a way 
that had never been done before. He didn't swim. He didn't paddle. He was walking on water. He was walking on water. Almost mind-boggling to even think that someone could do this. You ever tried this like in the pool? Like I'm always like, you know, I put one foot in, it doesn't work for me, okay? But it worked for him. And so it's just mind-boggling that this could happen. But do you know what the disciples, and I can only understand their point. So they're in the middle of this big storm. I can only imagine it's foggy and hazy out there and there being wind is blowing at them and it's, you know, going up and down the waves. You want to know what they say as soon as they see Jesus walking toward them? He, they go, it's a ghost! They, and, and I always think of like the disciples, right? These people who have seen miracles, who have seen things like, right? Like I always kind of think of them like this, right? Like the, the, like the stooges, like just buffoons going, they've seen this guy do this stuff over and over again. They've seen Jesus perform miracles right in front of them. And then, I, then they're all scared all of a sudden. I kind of just think of like, you know, Peter and a couple of them just like huddled over like that, like, you know, in each other's arms. But see, Jesus went on because he knew what they were like. He knew they were a mess. And Jesus went on in Matthew chapter 14, and he said this. He said, Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, guys. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And do you know who the first one to reply was? Peter. Peter was the first to reply. This guy who Jesus called off a beach one day changed his name because he saw something special in him. In this moment where this miracle was happening, Peter was the first to reply. And in Matthew chapter 14, verses 27 to 28, he said this, Lord, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, if you are who you say that you are and you're staring right at me and we think you're a ghost, but if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Do you know what Jesus said? Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And Peter was actually performing a miracle as well at that point because through his faith, he was walking on water himself. The impossible became possible. Do you know what he was doing at that moment? Do you know what was so miraculous about that moment? Not even that he was walking on water, even though that's a miracle in itself. He was zoned in with Jesus. He was zoned in with God. His faith in that moment might have never been stronger. And he was walking on water toward Jesus in a way that I don't understand as a human being, but it was happening right there, right in front of the rest of them and right in front of Jesus because he was so zoned in. But then something happened, something that happens to pretty much every one of us as well. He remembered something he remembered he was in the middle of a storm. He remembered that there was wind and waves and lightning and thunder all around him when he looked around and he took his eyes off Jesus. See, he looked around and saw the storm and started to sink. The miracle that was happening wasn't possible anymore because his faith in that moment lapsed. He doubted. He started looking around at what everybody else had in life. And what the storm was doing to him, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And haven't we all done that so often over and over and over and over again? But what I love so much about Jesus and who he is and how much love he brought to this earth, this broken earth. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, it says this. It says, immediately 
Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You know what word I love in this verse the most? Immediately. He didn't hesitate. He didn't waste time. He pulled him up. And then he said, you of little faith, you had it. We were zoned in. You know who I am. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? You knew what we could do. You've seen me do this. You know that with faith in me, anything is possible. Why did you doubt me, Peter? Bless his heart. Because he screwed up. A guy who was known as the rock, going to help be the vessel to go spread this message. Jesus chose him. And him in this moment, even Peter in this moment, even he struggled with doubt. Peter took a leap of faith and within seconds doubted his decision. He took a leap of faith and within seconds it was over because he struggled with doubt. And you know what? It wasn't just that he doubted his decision. Do you know what else he doubted in that moment? You know what else he doubted? He doubted Jesus. That's the point of all this. Jesus said, no, 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 Peter, it's about me. I'm God now here in the flesh. Focus on me. Zone in on me. He doubted Jesus. And that's why he sank. And I love that Jesus reached his hand out immediately and grabbed him and said, as long as I'm with you, don't miss this, as long as I'm with you, you will never be alone. As long as I'm with you, I will always reach out my hand and pull you up. As long as I'm with you, you will never need to fear because I am here. Don't doubt me. Trust me. And in that moment, Peter screwed up. Much like all of us have done so many times. And so at Downtown Harbor Church, if you're new around here, we always put a word on the screen. 99% of our messages have this word. So you'll see it again. And here it is. What's the practical? What's the practical here for us today? As we sit here and we listen to this miraculous story about this guy, bless his heart, Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest, if not his closest friend. What's the practical here? Well, let me give you the first one because, you know, Peter tends to get a bad rap, right? And we're giving him a bad rap here today too. But you know what Peter did that a lot of times people don't do? You know what Peter did that a lot of times we don't even do? He got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. And so often, you know what we do? We do this, just like the other disciples were doing, just sitting back there, just waiting, going, mm -mm, I can't do that. I know in my life that I'm supposed to do something. I know that it's time for me to make a change in my career. I know it's time for me to open a new business. I know it's time for me to reach out to that family member. I know it's time for me to do this, but I want to just stay in the boat. Even if I fail, like Peter did, at least he did something. At least he got out of the boat. And so what does that look like in your life? I don't know. But so often, every single one of us needs to make that call and make that decision and take that first step, one foot in front of the other, and get out of the stinking boat. So I don't know what that looks like for you. But I'll tell you this. I know that God does. And I know there's been probably some of you have been having your heart tugged for a long time about getting out of the boat. Take Peter's example, because he stepped out in faith. I don't know what that is for you, but you definitely do. And it's time to pray about it and to figure out if it's 
time. The second thing I want you to know that's the practical is this. And this is us being as open and transparent as we can. We are from this stage every single Sunday that we sit up here. But here's what I want you to know. In your life, doubts will be there. Doubts related to your family, doubts related to your future, doubts related to God, doubts related to the scripture, doubts related to Jesus. If I were being as honest as I could with you, I will tell you even I struggle with doubt. Because we all do. Because we're human beings. And as I said a couple of weeks ago from this stage, you know what we try to do? We try to reconcile Jesus and God with logic, and it's not logical. Therefore, that leads to what? Doubts. That's going to happen. Faith is not a logical thing, but I'll tell you this, it's changed my life from the inside out. And so doubts will be there. And here's the last thing I want you to know, the practical. And it's the most emotional one, so hang on. In that moment, when Peter started to sink, when he screwed up, and Jesus immediately reached out and pulled him out of that water. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Not only to his followers then, but to his followers now. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, no matter how bad it gets for you, no matter how low you get, no matter how much doubt you have, no matter how much lack of faith you have, if you say yes to me, here's something I want you to know. I will never leave your side. I promise. I will never, ever leave your side. I mean, can you imagine being Peter in that moment, going, I believe you, God. I've watched you do things I've never seen anybody else do. And then I screw up, and all God does is go, let me pull you out immediately because I'll never, ever, 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 ever leave your side. If that doesn't give us hope, if that doesn't give us some type of a sense of hope for our communities and for our families... I don't know what does. Because this story is, yeah, about a guy, bless his heart, who screwed up in a moment he shouldn't have probably. But this story is also about what happens when we do and what Jesus does to us in response. Here's what I want you to know. Fears and doubts will creep into your life. But Jesus will never leave your side. Jesus will never leave your side. So let me kind of shift and pivot for a second. You saw in our bumper video that we had made, there was a phrase in there, and it said, Peter was a what? Does anybody remember? Mess. Oh, he was. And it gets worse in the next couple of weeks. Don't miss this. But do you know who else is a mess? us. We've all screwed up. We've all done some things that we are not proud of. Some of us recently, some long ago. And here's what I believe. I believe that when you understand that we all are a mess in some way, but God can still use us anyway. And throughout our messes, he's going to be right there to reach his hand down and pull us back up. And that's why we are here together. So that we can do it for each other too. Fears and doubts are going to creep into your life, but Jesus will never leave your side. You be a mess, folks. I'm a mess too. That's why we're here. But if God, Jesus in the flesh, 
can take the biggest mess that I've read about in the scripture, Peter, and say, hey, you are going to be the guy who I'm going to build my church upon? If he can say that to him, then oh boy, can he say that to you. So what are you going to do about it? Because he's never going to leave your side. Get out of that boat. Understand you're going to have doubt. And then know that Jesus will never, ever, ever let you go. I want to just pray for a second. And if you are in a place right now where you need that hand reach down to you because you're sinking, I just want you to pray and ask God to reach his hand down. I'll lead us. But some of us are there. Some of us have had rough weeks and months and years, and we just need him to reach his hand down and pull us up. And so I just want to pray with all of us right now that he would do that, if that's where our heart is at today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are and the life of Peter and what we can glean from him. But God, I pray for the people in this room right now. I pray that you would hear our hearts, that you would answer our prayers, because some of us are sinking. Some of us right now have our eyes focused on you, but we've taken them off and we're starting to sink. And God, I just pray that in this moment that you would reach your hand down and pull us up. God, please give us your hand, extend your hand and pull us up to a better place of restoration and redemption because we don't want to sink. We don't want to stay there. We want to live in community with each other, loving each other because you command us to. Help us to have faith, faith like a child. And when doubt does creep in, help us to seek you in all that we do. And God, I love you because I know that you're hearing and answering that prayer right now. Bless us, Father, as we seek to do this together. We pray this today all in Jesus' name.